Good morning. And peace be with you. I would like to direct your attention to the insert in the bulletin. This is the third week in a row now that we've had this. It's been a long time since we've been able to post any kind of goings-on in the church, so I invite you to take a look at this insert and see uh, what's happening here at the church. And uh, I get <laughs> just act accordingly. <laughs> How about that for telling you what to do? We do have lunch with pastor this Wednesday, and I invite you to come for that. Uh, we will um, uh, sit down and uh, just have a, a nice uh, uh, visit, bring your own sack lunch, and there will be a devotion, and it's a nice break uh, uh, in the day for me, and hopefully for you as well, so you are invited to come to that. Also, um, our church council meeting, monthly meeting, is coming up this next Saturday on the 10th of October. That is at 9.30 in the morning, and you are all welcome to come, and uh, we'll be discussing the business of the church. So that's about all that I have for that. Why don't we get ready for worship with our opening hymn? No power of hell, no scheme of man 
come together this morning in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Let's take a moment of silence and self-reflection. Let us confess our sins to God our Father. Most merciful God, we confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you and Almighty God, in his mercy, has given his Son to die for you, and for his sake, he forgives you all of your sins. And as your called and ordained servant of Christ, and by his authority, I therefore declare to you the entire forgiveness of all of your sins in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the peace from above and for our salvation. Let us pray to the Lord. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. For this holy house, And for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. 
This is the feast of victory for our God. Alleluia. Gracious God, you gave your son into the hands of sinful men who killed him. Forgive us when we reject your unfailing love and grant us the fullness of your salvation through Jesus Christ, your son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Good morning. The first reading is from the book of Isaiah, chapter 5, verses 1 through 7, and can be found on page 1065 in your pew Bible. Um, Isaiah is considered to be one of the greatest prophets of the Bible. Here we listen to Isaiah's song for the vineyard. God's chosen nation will bear fruit, but the fruit was bad. In other words, people must trust in God and his commands or punishments will surely come to them. Isaiah 5, 1 through 7. I will sing for the one I love a song about his vineyard. My loved one had a vineyard on a fertile hillside. He dug it up, cleared it of stones, and planted it with the choicest vines. He built a watchtower in it and cut out the wine press as well. Then he looked for a crop of good grapes, but its yield only was bad fruit. Now you dwellers in Jerusalem and people of Judah, judge between me and my vineyard. What more could have been done for my vineyard than what I have done for it? When I looked for good grapes, why did it yield only bad? Now I'll tell you what I'm going to do to my vineyard. I will take away its hedge and it will be destroyed. I will break down its walls and it will be trampled. 
I will make it a wasteland, neither pruned nor cultivated, and briars and thorns will grow there. I will command the clouds not to rain on it. The vineyard of the Lord Almighty is the nation of Israel, and the people of Judah are the vines he delighted in. And he looked for justice, but saw bloodshed, for righteousness, but heard cries of distress. We'll read Psalm 80, verses 7 through 19 responsibly, which is printed in your bulletin. This prayer is for revival and restoration. It's most likely written after the northern kingdom was defeated and the people were taken captive to Babylon. The verse acknowledges that God is our only hope for salvation. Psalm 80, 7 through 19. Restore us, God Almighty. Make your face shine on us, that we may be saved. You transplanted a vine from Egypt. You drove out the nations and planted it. You cleared the ground for it, and it took root and filled the land. The mountains were covered with its shade, the mighty cedars with its branches. Its branches reached as far as the sea, its shoots as far as the river. Why have you broken down its walls so that all who pass by pick its grapes? Boars from the forest ravage it, and insects from the fields feed on it. Return on this, Almighty. Look down from heaven and see. Watch over this vine. The root your right hand has planted, the sun you have raised up for yourself. Your vine is cut down, it is burned with fire. At your rebuke, your parent will perish. Let your hand rest on the man on your right hand, at your right hand, the son of man you have raised up for yourself. Then we will not turn away from you. Revive us and we will call on your name. Restore us, Lord God Almighty. Make your face shine on us that we may be saved. The epistle this morning is taken from the book of Philippians, chapter 3, verses 4 through 14, and can be found on page 1,828 in the Pew Bible. So even though Paul's in prison, he's writing to the church in Philippi that his pedigree did not bring him closer to God. It was God's grace giving him joy in believing. Philippians 3, 4 through 14. Though I myself have reasons for such confidence, if someone else thinks that they have reason to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law of Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. But whatever were gains for me, I now consider a loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, 
to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his suffering, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already attained all this, or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Here ends the reading. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. shall we go you have the words of eternal life will you please stand for the reading of the gospel this morning the gospel is according to saint matthew from the 21st chapter glory to you O lord The Gospel reading again is from St. Matthew chapter 21, verses 33 through 46, and it can be found on page 1533 of your pew Bible. Matthew 21, 33 through 46. Listen to another parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard and he put a wall around it and he dug a wine press in it and built a watchtower. And then he rented the vineyard to some farmers and he moved to another place. Now when the harvest time approached, he sent his servants to the tenants to collect his fruit. The tenants seized his servants and they beat one. They killed another, and they stoned a third. Then he sent other servants to them more than the first time, and the tenants treated them the same way. And last of all, he sent his son to them. They will respect my son, he said. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to each other, This is the heir. Come, let's kill him and take his inheritance. So they took him, they threw him out of the vineyard, and killed him. Therefore, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? He will bring those wretches To a wretched end, they replied. And he will rent the vineyard to other tenants who will give him his share of the crop at harvest time. Jesus said to them, Have you never read the scriptures? The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore, I tell you, 
that the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people who will produce its fruit. Anyone who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces, and anyone on whom it falls will be crushed. When the chief priests and the Pharisees heard Jesus' parables, they knew he was talking about them. They looked for a way to arrest him, but they were afraid of the crowd because the people held that he was a prophet. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Will you please pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus. I'm going to start by asking you to keep a few things in the back of your mind as we go through this parable. Many of the events that are represented in the parable actually would happen in less than a week. In a few days, Judas would betray Jesus. In less than a week, Jesus would suffer, die on the cross, and he would rise from the dead. The chief priests and the elders were already having secret talks about just how they could destroy Jesus. And Jesus knew that this was coming when he told this very story. Now Jesus painted a word picture for his listeners. He said, hear another parable. There was a master of a house who planted a vineyard and, as we read before, put a fence around it and he dug a wine press in it and he built a tower and then he leased it to tenants and then he went to another country. Verse 34, when the season for the fruit drew near, he sent his servants to the tenants to get his fruit. That's Matthew 21, 33, and 34. The setup for this parable is very familiar to the hearers. What I mean to say is that no doubt many of the Passover pilgrims who heard and listened to Jesus had seen vineyards, just like the one in this parable on their sojourn. His listeners would be very familiar with the idea of renting land and then the obligation to share the crops that it produced. There may even have been vineyard owners and workers of vineyards that were listening to Jesus when he told the parable. Within the context of this parable, the landowner, well, the landowner represented God. 
The vineyard represented Israel. The many details involved in the planting of the vineyard, which is the fence and the tower and the wine press and so forth, show that God had blessed Israel with all that it needed to thrive and to grow. The tenants represent the spiritual leadership of the nation. In the current circumstances, that would be the chief priests and elders of the people. These were the same people that questioned Jesus about where upon he came of this authority. The servants who came to collect the crop would be God's servants, especially his prophets. And the fruit, the fruit that they expected would be repentance and faith. Now, after Jesus sets up the backdrop of the parable, he starts making his point. He says, the tenants took his servants, they beat one, killed another, and stoned another. And the tenants turn out to be violent, insane criminals. There is no sense to what they are doing. And only the most prideful arrogance would believe that it could get away with such a crime. The sentence, this sentence represents the violent history of Israel towards God's prophets and other servants. That is, the writer in Hebrews describes the life of the prophet very well. He says they were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. In verse 36, others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. In verse 37, they were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went out about in skins of sheep and goats. They were destitute. They were afflicted. They were mistreated. Verse 38, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and in caves of the earth. That's Hebrews 11, chapter 11, verses 35 through 38. Check it out. You see, Israel's history toward the prophets was one of unbelieving rebellion, violence, and torture. Now, under these circumstances, the landowner had the right, the right to punish these tenants with death. And that is exactly what an ordinary landowner would do. However, the landowner in the parable is not ordinary, is he? Again, he sent other servants, more than the first, and they, the tenants, did the same thing to them. 
Here Jesus illustrated the incredible mercy, the lavish grace of God. Instead of judging Israel and destroying it, God sent more prophets. The teaching here is consistent with the words God gave to Ezekiel. He said, as I live, declares the Lord, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn back. Turn back from your evil ways. For why will you die, O Israel? That's Ezekiel 33, verse 11. God offered life to Israel. Nevertheless, God's prophets continued to suffer cruel violence. Now at this point, the landowner in the parable did something insane. Finally, he sent his son to them, saying, they will respect my son. Given the history of these tenants, no earthly landowner would do this. An earthly landowner might send his son ahead of an army with orders to destroy the tenants, but he would never send his son to collect the fruit of the vineyard. Now, the amazing thing is that Jesus was teaching about himself at this point in the parable. He himself, he himself is the Son of God. He has come just as the prophets came before him. The parable is about the person who first told it. The parable is about Jesus. Now, as Jesus continued, the tenants revealed the extent of their insanity. When the tenants saw the son, they said to themselves, this is their heir. Come, let us kill him and have his inheritance. And verse 39 says, and they took him and threw him out of the vineyard and they killed him. Who in their right mind would think that or believe that they could become the heirs of an estate by killing the current heir of the estate. Can you remember or have you ever been told, has there ever been a legal system in the history of the world that would allow such a thing? That is, if I kill the heir, I get his inheritance? No. And it is astounding that this parable, parable is prophetically accurate in its detail. The tenants threw the son out of the vineyard before they killed him. In a similar matter, the Roman soldiers will lead Jesus out of, of, of Jerusalem and they will crucify him. The parable, it illustrates what will happen to Jesus by the end of the week. Now, Jesus closed the parable by asking his hearers to judge the tenants 
he asks them to judge the tenants in the parable. And when therefore the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? And they said to him, he will put those wretches to a miserable death and let out the vineyard to other tenants who will give him the fruits in their seasons. The judgment that the hearers of the word, the judgment that they gave was death. The owner will kill the tenants and replace them with faithful people. There is a hot place in hell for those who violate the precious trust God has placed in their hands, for those who do not repent. This parable is is actually very, well, it's, it's thoroughly terrifying in its judgment. Now, the sad thing about this parable is that it is God's intent to make all people fellow heirs, co-heirs with Christ. As the Apostle Paul points out, he said the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. That's Romans 8, 16 and 17. So within the context of the parable, it, it, it was the landowner's intent. It was his intent to make the tenants heirs with his son. The landowner intended to freely give them the very thing that they tried to take by violence. The insanity of their evil not only caused them to lose this gift that was going to be theirs, that was theirs, not only did they lose that, they lost their lives as well. They could have had it all, but they lost it all. Instead, does that sound familiar? You had it all, but you chose poorly. How about Adam and Eve? They had it all. They were created in the image of God, and yet Satan was going to give them something that he couldn't give them. They already had it, and they were deceived. The parable in today's gospel is a true tragedy. It ends with a dead son and damned tenants. Jesus was not satisfied with this ending, so he followed it with a quote from Psalm 118. And Jesus said to them, Have you never read the Scriptures? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing and it is marvelous in our eyes. Now with these words, Jesus made it clear that the fate of those in the parable need not be their fate. Just as the rejected stone became the cornerstone, so Jesus himself did not remain rejected. Although Jesus died in rejection, he did not remain in the grave. He rose from the dead to become the cornerstone upon which the church depends. Now, under God's grace, 
hear this, under God's grace, even the evil tenants need not be damned. It would not surprise me, not in the least, that some of those who voted to crucify Jesus later repented. It would not surprise me at all if they heard the preaching of the apostles and they received the gift of faith from the Holy Spirit. It would not surprise me in the least that they, through the gift of faith in the one whom they crucified, were now in heaven. God's grace is for all. He wants to give it to us freely for the sake of the perfect life, the suffering, and the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. Here's the thing. If we insist that God must save us on our terms, then we shall follow the example of the wicked tenants in the parable. When God has his way, we will die in Christ and follow him. We will not remain in the grave, but we will rise from the dead just as Jesus rose. We are already sons and daughters of the living God. We have it all. And Jesus has placed his righteousness in our hearts. And in a few minutes, we will taste grace cross over our lips. We will take part in Holy Communion, which is his body, the Son, and his blood, the Son's, shed for you, And for all who believe, and the best part is, we will live with him forever. Amen. In the name of Jesus, amen.
Will you please stand if you're able? Let us confess together our faith to the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered and rose to power, was crucified and died in his burial. He descended to hell. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. As a family in Jesus Christ, let us pray. Dear Lord and God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we gather this morning to praise your holy name. Thank you for bringing us together. Thank you, Lord, for all those physicians and scientists throughout the world who are working so hard to stop the COVID virus and create a vaccine to shield us from further infection. Thank you also for all those who tend to the needs of the sick and for those who comfort others who are suffering from myriad ailments, including viruses, cancer, and other maladies. We know that you are pleased when we help each other rather than tearing each other down and finding faults. Thank you for reminding us through your holy word and scripture that we are not blameless and should never cast stones at others. Lord in heaven, we pray for our president and first lady who have been infected with the COVID virus. Please bring them back to good health quickly and permit our president to continue to lead our nation as long as it is your will that he do so. Holy Father, we pray for the safety of the firefighters battling wildfires throughout the Western United States. Please send rain and moderate temperatures to aid their efforts and to bring an end to these destructive firestorms. Once again, Almighty God, we pray for all of our citizens throughout our country in the path of or suffering from severe storms. God Almighty, you are the creator and ultimate steward of this planet Earth. You gave it to humans to manage and we haven't always done a great job of it. But whatever we have done or failed to do that may have led to some of the environmental problems we face, we ask that you take over and calm the Earth. Grant us the wisdom to change wherever needed to avoid problems that are man-made. Dear Lord, we pray for the safety of law enforcement officers throughout the United States who are now frequently under attack by those driven by evil forces. You already know, Lord, that our police often face the worst of humankind as they work diligently every day to protect our citizens from harm. Please protect them and open their minds to recognize that most citizens are good and peaceful. Please guide their thoughts to re recognize and correct actions or procedures that lead to unrighteousness 
that defy our Constitution or cause more harm than good when responding to suspected crime. We pray for wisdom for our political leaders throughout the nation who have lost sight of the need for law and order in our society. Guide them to focus on the needs of peaceful society rather than their own personal political careers. You already know, Holy Father, the groans of your children, both here in the United States and around the world. We hurt beyond our ability to describe the pain. We don't know why you have given Satan dominion over the earth. Our sins against you put us out here rather than in your garden, and it is often hard to see your light. Thank you for our Savior, your only Son, Jesus, and for the Holy Spirit who points us to your light when we get lost, as we so often are. Thank you for the hope you provide that we will not suffer under Satan's reign for long, though it often feels that way. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for leading our hearts and minds to perceive the truth in a world filled with sin, lies, deceit, and hate. We pray that you would guide us to do what pleases our Heavenly Father rather than what we would like to do in our sin. Guide us to know what leaders we should choose to govern us, to regulate us, and to judge us. We pray that should we choose poorly, that you would turn our bad decisions to good, as you always have. We pray for the safety of all of our military members. Please shield them from all harm, keep their service to our country honorable, and bring them home safely. Holy Father, we pray for those who travel. Please give all we love safe journeys. Dear Lord, we have created many problems for ourselves through our sins against you. We either act poorly or don't act with goodness. We have removed you from our society wherever possible and wonder why it feels like hell where Satan rules freely. It is no mystery to your faithful. Please come and get us and bring us back, for we have strayed far. Almighty God, thank you for our church family and our pastor. We pray for the safety of those who worship here and your protective embrace of all faithful wherever they are. Finally, we now share with you our personal prayers kept deep in our hearts or spoken aloud. Into your hands, Lord, we commend all for whom we pray, trusting in your mercy through your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. Let us share the peace responsibly and at a, dish, uh, uh, at a distance. Will you please pray with me? Blessed are you, O Lord our God, maker of all things. Through your goodness you have blessed us with these gifts. With them we offer ourselves to your service and dedicate our lives to the care and redemption of all that you have made. For the sake of him who gave himself for us, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.
The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is indeed right and salutary that we should at all times and in all places offer thanks and praise to you, O Lord, Heavenly Father, through Christ our Lord, who on this day overcame death and the grave, and by his glorious resurrection he has opened to us the way of everlasting life. And so with the church on earth and the heavenly hosts, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, Lord God of power and might, heaven In the night in which our Lord Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he gave thanks. And then he broke it, giving it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And again, after supper, Jesus took the cup and he gave thanks. And then he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and drink, all of you. This is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people, for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. For we know that as often as we eat of this bread and drink of this cup, that we proclaim Christ's death, his glorious resurrection and is coming again. Let us now pray together the perfect prayer that Jesus gave to us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. The cornerstone that was rejected has become the foundation, the solid rock upon which the church stands. The son who was rejected and taken out from the vineyard and killed has rose from the grave. And he sits at the right hand of the Father. And he tells you, you have it all through me. Just believe. And you do. And you are therefore heirs of Christ. You're the king's kids. 
and he invites you to the celebration of his body, his blood, given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins, grace upon grace, you're going to let pass over your lips. May it be a blessing to you. Remain seated and the ushers will bring you forward.
please stand? We, we truly have it all. For those who believe, you have it all. And it's going to get a lot better one day. May that encourage you. And now the blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and grant you his perfect peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated right now for our closing hymn. Yet she, your 